0: Welcome to Fringe Element here on the Four Forty Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall.
1: Mine's Aaron Dugan. You can follow me on Twitter at the Aaron Dugan or Instagram Aaron underscore Dugan. Almost forgot my own handle.
0: <laughs> um, listen, we this is the time of year where every time you open up the internet, you're going to see a ranking of some sort, right? We're ranking coordinators, we're ranking quarterbacks, we're ranking jobs, ranking programs. And we've we've already done the quarterback thing on the show, but right. I wanted to have a conversation about the programs because. There's all kinds of new recruiting rules coming in. The portal's about to open. Spring practice is about to wrap up. Uh, we've got an Arkansas State of the Union for you guys with Trey Biddy from Hog Sports, 24-7 Sports, going to give you a great in-depth analysis of where the Hogs are. And in that conversation, we discussed sort of what are reasonable expectations for Arkansas in the playoff era. We said that we did the same conversation with Neil McCready last week about Ole Miss. What are reasonable expectations for programs like Ole Miss in the playoff era? So we thought... Well, let's just take a look at all 14 and say which ones have the national championship DNA, which ones have sort of playoff DNA and that can routinely make the playoffs. And and how often should these teams be making the playoffs? So we're going to have some fun today on the show Aaron, doing some rankings on the pod.
1: Do you want to explain why you're calling it DNA versus just potential or resources or whatever?
0: So I've always used this phrase and I'll. T- I- it makes four- sense
1: to me. That's why I'm telling you to explain it, because I think it it makes a lot of sense.
0: Well, this is going to upset me now that I have to give somebody credit for the, the actual term. Our, ah. former, our former boss, Mitch Light, is technically the one. He and I used to talk about this on our our national podcast. And frankly, Stephen and I just talked about it a little bit um, on our show as well. Right. National Championship DNA, in my opinion, is comprised of two, largely two things.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The and By the way, rate, review, subscribe. Check out the YouTube page. All that great stuff. We're giving hats away. Just want to get that out of the way. Forgot about it. There you that. go. National title DNA is unlimited resources and access to talent. So geography and money, basically. Or in another phrase, pa- passionate fans, right? It's boosters. It's budgets. It's, a- it's athletic department size and alignment. Your geography dictates who is within a six-hour radius of your campus that you can acquire to play football games for you.
1: Right. You can't uh, change it. You were You were born that way.
0: L- largely, I mean, geography doesn't change. Population trends have changed over time, but very slowly, right? Like there were a lot mm-hmm. more, a lot more athletes in Ohio and Michigan and Pennsylvania in the sixties and seventies. Integration is a is a thing that changes. Yep. Um, what what takes place? I think NIL collectives, but again, that's kind of tied back to, you know, um, recent fan resources. Right. I think I think changing conferences, like Missouri and Texas A and M. Joined the SEC and their DNA improved. It got better because of a lot of different things. Texas and Oklahoma are going to do this as well. I, I just think DNA changes, very, evolution happens very slowly. You can
1: upregulate it.
0: You, yeah. And I think you can go down. I mean, Nebraska, for example. Yeah. I think oh, is,
1: and you is, can downregulate it, but, but you still got sl- some things in place.
0: And it has to happen very slowly. Like, again, since 1991, there's only been about 15 teams that have won a national championship. For, 40, for for 30 years, and every year of the championship game era, and every year of the sort of modern internet recruiting era, the championships have been won by the exact same 15-ish schools. Right. And we all know who those schools are. The question is, how many SEC schools have that DNA? How many schools can be playoff contenders routinely, and maybe can't win national championships? We'll discuss where Arkansas fits into all this, because I think they're kind of in right at the line of demarcation. And then, obviously, where do Texas and Oklahoma rank in all of this? And what does that do to to the DNA? So,
1: Yeah, and um, then the factors that also are part of that that could potentially be beneficial. I mean, we could argue, we talk about it with South Carolina a lot, and we could do the same thing with Texas A&M, of them having these certain characteristics or things already in place, whether that be geography or fan base or um, recruiting talent within the state, but that they haven't totally come to fruition or capitalized on so maybe we can talk about those too.
0: i i think K- a&m arkansas and carolina which will probably be all ranked very closely yes uh, i i find to be utterly i think that tier of team in the sec is utterly fascinating to me mm-hmm. um now and it, all
1: three of those have what i was just talking about factors that could and should be used to their advantage but they haven't totally seemed to figure out how to use them yet
0: bingo bingo a uh, proof of like the the third category of national title dna that doesn't it's not really it doesn't really count but it sort of is a f- self-fulfilling prophecy maybe that's the wrong phrase is like proof of concept like the florida gators have won national titles in multiple decades the tennessee volunteers have won national titles in multiple decades alabama's got the greatest two dynasties in the history of of college football for a reason georgia's won championships in multiple decades same for el LSU has has had three straight different coaches win national championships. Um you know Auburn has you know a very wild list of coaches that have basically competed and almost won or won national championships. It's um, like the have
1: you it's the have you been there, Gene. Like act like you've been, act like you've been places.
0: A little bit. Well so the possibility
1: isn't that kind of what you're saying though, the possibility. Yeah, yeah. Like it's been done, you know it's been done. It's like if you can see it, you can be it kind of thing.
0: Right. And, like, hypothetically, Tennessee would have made it. For example, Tennessee would have made the playoff this past year, 12-team playoff. They won a national championship in the BCS era. They won a championship back in the 60s. Like, that is show. And they're a top-10 team all-time in terms of wins. They they, they are a top-10 winning program in the history of college football. They have unlimited resources, and their recruiting base is better than people think. I'm not trying to get into a Tennessee conversation right away, but, like, Tennessee clearly has it and has shown that it has capitalized on it. A&M is the one that hasn't shown that it's capitalized on it yet. So we'll we'll get and to And arguably
1: has less excuses than anybody except for the length of time they've been in the conference and how much experience they've had playing with these teams. The state, the talent, and the the money and the fandom, you're looking at it with that's why we look at them with a huge question mark all the time because we're like what the yep. f is happening over there.
0: Yeah, and you have a coach one of like five coaches in the country that has a ring. Um, all right. So if we're gonna rank the the best jobs, like I have two ahead of everybody else. What as what a think? coach. So you could also this is another way to do this exercise. You could also just call it the Nick Saban test. If you put 14 Nick Sabans, <laughs> if you cloned if you clone Saban and you put him at all 14 schools in the SEC and you clean the slate of the roster, right? Like there's no nobody has a five star quarterback, nobody has like just oh so the what, talent
1: level is the same too. At, you gotta well, to no, start just, over recruiting.
0: Well, don't don't think of it literally. Just think of it as like you are given the Georgia program. You're given the Auburn program. You're given the LSU program. And as like, is, kind of as it is, but not necessarily with transient stuff, right? Like take away NCAA sanctions, take away the current roster, take away the athletic Why do you director, take away
1: the current roster
0: because it because we're looking at this over a hundred year period of time, not a one year period of time. Okay. Like Georgia right now. Not clear
1: is, directions, please. F-
0: fair enough. <laughs> Georgia right now is clearly the most dominant program in college football. They're the best program in college football. Mm-hmm. But over time, they're not a better program than Alabama. Right. Now, would I would I rather, if I was a coach, would I rather live in Athens than Tuscaloosa? Probably. I'd probably rather yeah. live in Athens. But that's not necessarily what the Nick Saban test is. The Nick Saban test is all 14 of you are given Nick Saban and, you know... <laughs> the starter's gun is fired and you're off and running and 14 Nick Sabans are all doing the same job at the same at 14 different places. Okay, Where, where do the natural advantages and financial resources give Nick Saban the advantage to win more quicker? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like if you, interesting. if you put Saban at Tennessee and you put Saban at Kentucky, he is going to win more games faster and compete for national championships faster at Tennessee than he would at Kentucky. Just in my opinion.
1: And then, if okay, that makes sense. And then for like, if it was, you could even argue that Texas A&M, if you put him there, it might take him a second to get it back on its feet. But if you got that thing oiled like a, a or that was a well-oiled machine, that could be a generational yep. legacy program. Because once it's there, if you can keep it, it's not going anywhere.
0: It, you, I can make it even simpler. If if you put Nick Saban at your school, can you win a national championship? Mine no, and, and that is exa- That's exactly <laughs> it. If you have the DNA, I mean
1: maybe then the but... then
0: the coach can win the national championship, and that's yeah. where I think the interesting conversation lies with a And M, Arkansas, South Carolina, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Missouri. I think a lot of those teams are playoff teams. I'm not sure how many could win four games in a playoff, a 12 team playoff, yeah, or or and, and or win the SEC championship enough to give them a buy in the playoff and it, like it's one thing to get to the playoff. We know that's alter life altering for programs like Kentucky and Ole miss, mm-hmm. but like, that's not the goal for Alabama, LSU and Georgia and AM and m and Auburn. Yeah. To win those three extra games, those four extra games. So I mentioned
1: what, Florida
0: and Florida's you have, you Florida obviously has national championship DNA. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: And recruiting so, pool.
0: Right. And the resources have finally caught up. Billy Napier's putting, putting those resources to work. So what's okay. the best, what's the best job? Like I think it's a no brainer, but there's people that argue that it's Georgia. I think it's Alabama, but
1: well, I think it's easy to argue Alabama because he's he's done it there. I think that if you put the Knicks, if we're doing the Nick Saban thing, I think I I think the best job could be Texas A and M. Right now, it's not. Like, but if you put him mm. there, the, on the ability to maintain it over a large period of time, resources aren't going anywhere, recruiting talent's not going anywhere, you know your crazy ass cult fan base isn't going anywhere. Like that would be something that you could maintain, but maybe that's not the question. If the question is now, it it almost has to be between Georgia and Alabama. And I don't think that you can take Georgia over Alabama for that particular question because it hasn't been done like Alabama's done it
0: and i so it's not even just it's not just today it's all time and moving forward knowing that dna evolves very very slowly to me there the difference between georgia and alabama and everyone else in the sec is alignment they mm-hmm. they never have a problem from like the the janitor up to like and the last person sitting in the last row in the stadium and like the biggest booster and the athletic director and the head coach and the staffers and the play like every those are big giant cruise ships that move very slowly but they all work together there's there's rarely any like chaos with like boosters upheaval Mm -hmm. like there is at a&m or auburn or tennessee like to me they are the most stable and and most aligned there's a reason that bear bryant and nick saban both happened at alabama like there's a reason right Mm -hmm. yeah and georgia for my money i could argue is the best program in america because the fan here's the thing about georgia you guys are a little less batshit crazy. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> than everybody else. Yeah. And I, and I kind of dig that about Georgia. But
1: and of course, like the, a lot of this, you know, the southeast and all of you know, from Tennessee, Georgia, all the way to Alabama and over. I mean, those recruiting, like your talent pools overlap quite a bit. Um, Georgia, Georgia is the one only the one most... in its state. Yep. And um, you know, Auburn hasn't in the past couple of years, Auburn struggled to be where they like to be in terms of the SEC and national rankings, but they are still pulling. There is a lot of talent within the state. I mean, you were, if you grew up in Alabama, you have any kind of sports blood running through your veins. You are either Alabama or Auburn. There's not really a lot of in between, so they're still pulling major talent. Um, I mean, Alabama seems to rack up fine, but
0: yeah, and, and you talk about like slow evolution, like the fact that Georgia used to be like the 5th or 6th best talent state in the country is now it's like number 2 or 3. Like that's in a that the the southern population trends and the athlete production. Frankly, mm-hmm. Tennessee, the state of Tennessee when I was in high school in 1999, and I was a senior and I was playing football in the state of Tennessee and got offers to play at Tennessee Tech, let's call it. Uh there were maybe four or five like power 5 prospects in the state of Tennessee. Maybe mm-hmm. there there are now forty in
2: the mm-hmm. state of
0: Tennessee every year that, mm-hmm. that are going to the power five and or or at least FBS. Georgia uh, has gone from f- four five, six, seventh in the country in in production to now like basically behind only Texas and Florida, basically, if not better. Yep. so that 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 also helps Georgia. I think it's Bama, Georgia one and two. i I see the argument for Georgia at one, but I would go Bama one based on historical context,
1: yeah, the stability factor, but Georgia has. Georgia is not riddled with chaos, though. So I think right. that Georgia has the potential to be that. But then you get into, I, you know, I just talked about A&M and from a resource and excitement state and there's nothing else going on there besides Texas and College Station, besides the university. I mean, but they're chaos schools that have a history of chaos. Well, A&M, LSU, um, Auburn. Auburn, Auburn, Tennessee, uh, Florida. Like right. they all are have right. more chaos, and a lot of that is coming from the very highest level. Like things have happened in administration. I mean, I don't have to give examples about LSU. Right, right.
0: It, boosters, it's very
1: clip yeah. boosters, uh, yeah. trying to cover stuff up, breaking rules. Um, everyone's broken rules within collegiate athletics for the most part, at least in every program at some point. But the stability factor of Alabama and Georgia, to me, are far beyond the rest of the
0: the schools. And the word I will use to describe that is alignment.
1: Um, yeah, that's fair. The,
0: the the biggest problem Auburn has had and Tennessee before they finally figured it out is lack of alignment, chaos behind the scenes, leadership chaos causes problems. Um, and you... there's and there's some South there's uh, South Carolina I think has every uh, every possible piece to this puzzle, but some of it is that the like up up in the legislative office it's not all completely aligned because there's a lot of Clemson folk in, involved in all that stuff. So um, there is. Uh,
1: no, I mean, because
0: as an example, Texas, where would Texas be ranked? I have them at number three behind those two, but but Texas should be number one because it is worth one point one billion dollars. It's the most lucrative, most expensive, biggest, most powerful athletic department in the country. But the reason it is not better than Bama and Georgia is because of all the cooks in the kitchen messing it all up.
1: Yeah. I think, and I think they have the potential to go back to be in that more stable category, but when it comes down to it, the chaos or the cooks in the kitchen, uh, the schools that we're talking about that are sitting above the rest in terms of stability with being Georgia and Alabama and maybe the potential to be Texas is a lot of that is the administration of the university not thinking that they know more about sports than the administration of athletics. That's what you run into with a lot of these, like the schools that are lower down the list, and I've seen it firsthand, of the administration of the university thinking they can make major, major decisions about athletics. At the end of the day, nobody knows more about athletics than the people that are walking through the halls of the athletic department. So I think that's kind of, that's also a differentiating factor in this conversation.
0: Uh, a million percent agree. And part of the reason Texas is even joining the SEC in the first place is that they've gotten a little bit more aligned at the top of the educational system inside mm-hmm. the state of Texas and got people aligned to say, no, 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 we need to be in the SEC. And so that's, yep. a, that's a signal that they could be a, becoming more aligned. And if they are, Texas is the most powerful athletic department in the country. They have the, the elite athletes. They are better than a and i A&M. I'm sorry, Aggies. They just are. They've been to two national championship games in, in the last two decades. Texas A&M has been to zero. And that's with all the chaos at Texas. That's with all the bad coaching hires and all the yeah. chaos of the like, and they still won a title in 05 and went back in 09. So uh, I would have, they just, it, sometimes
1: it just takes losing more than you like to be like, okay, yeah. we, we got to figure this out. And that's a lot of times when administration and athletics gets back on the same page is when everybody's lost more than they can mentally and emotionally handle. They're like, let's do something different.
0: Who else, who's next on your list? So if we're both going to go Bama, Georgia in some order, one and two, um, again, I would have Texas at three. I don't know where you'd put them, but I'd have them at three. Where, where, especially once they join the SEC, who are the next programs in like, give me the order that you've got and I'll, I'll give you my order and then we can discuss.
1: It's, Texas is definitely in the top four for me. This I, I struggle with this this third spot a little bit. I I think it's, it's AM or florida i, I it, lsu definitely has i, I you want to put lsu up there too because the the caliber of the program they've done it before we've seen it um but that's to me that it's going to take a little bit longer to figure out the chaotic stuff i think they're on the right track
0: so so here's oh my God, here's that's hard what's so your I've, number 4 i've got lsu at like so taking texas out of it
1: Oh, so your take, okay. So we're I've not in L- Texas.
0: I've got LSU at three, Florida at four.
1: Mine were flip flopped,
0: but and I can I could see both sides. But yeah, I have
1: Florida at three, LSU at four. But if it wasn't for LSU's like getting in trouble and not being able to figure their stuff out off the field in the past few years, they would have probably would have been in my third spot.
0: And and a great insight into what Nick Saban does to your program, which is that he sort of. Brought LSU out of the old era and into the new era. Put them
1: on the map, yeah.
0: But but the fact that LSU and Florida have six combined national championships since the nineties, and A and M has zero. I cannot put A and M above those two programs, even though they may have a
1: potential uh,
0: for it. Yeah, but they don't. Again, they don't have a better recruiting base than Florida. Florida's recruiting base is is it might be even better. LSU's recruiting base. LSU's recruiting base is ridiculously good as well. It's basically the same as AM. They're they're within, you know, driving distance. So I I, LSU to me with proof of concept with Tiger Stadium. I I just think LSU at three, Florida at four, I'm fine if you like Florida better. I think they've taken a little bit slower to sort of like gain ground in like the modern world of football.
1: I know. And LSU can put it together quick, like it can all of a sudden things just make sense again. It just doesn't take yeah. them that growing pains time.
0: I think Nick but when Saban they mess it up,
1: that. they mess it up bad.
0: Yeah. And I think Saban, like, again, if you read the book on what he did when he got there, I think John Talti, uh, no, uh, yeah. John Talty wrote it, the leadership secrets of Nick Saban. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's all about sort of what he demanded of LSU when he got there. And it was mm-hmm. full scale. It's kind of like what Dabo did to Clemson, like full scale investment and reevaluation of how we're going to view our football program, which is kind of what your point is about university administration versus athletic administration. And, and do they see eye to eye? That's where Bama and Georgia have never had a problem. Like right. they are just always aligned. I would go LSU three, Florida four. I would go to, here's where it might get controversial. I would go Tennessee at five, Auburn 6 AM seven. m is the only one of these programs that has never shown it, that it can, that it can do it. It's never won the national title in the modern era since integration. It's, it's mm-hmm. never, it, you know, like it just, it has all the ingredients and all the pieces, it's, but it's, but it's never done it.
1: It's more like the South Carolina complex with me for AM, not necessarily that they have to be the top of the list, but more like this should be working. <laughs> um, and that's, I guess that's a lot of that's from a resource perspective. Um, I went Tennessee, AM Auburn, but that doesn't, now that that's we're talking fine. through it. No, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, but we've seen Auburn do it it's just it's it's hard to get the modern thoughts about programs out of your head and keep just the historic and the or like the historic nature of it and the longevity because we've seen auburn do it too
0: i mean uh, i mean uh, terry bowden undefeated uh pat died national championship uh gene Chiswick national championship gus mm-hmm. malzahn went to the national championship i mean like it, it, auburn is as good a program as anybody in america it's they just act-
1: the chaos it's the chaos yeah. thing we're talking about
0: they absolutely have national championship DNA. There's no, yep. there's no doubt about it. I think Texas A&M absolutely has national championship DNA. Like th- they are yeah. the Clint. They are the Clemson without their Dabo. <laughs> like they just, yeah. they haven't found their Dabo yet. And Jimbo was supposed to be it. And he's almost got the same kind of name. So it's
1: like the, fr- it's what it's some of these programs that get into freak out mode that they just, they're, they're used to winning and they have, they have to win quickly. And sometimes like, really what's the word i'm looking for not aggressive but like when you make an abrasive not abrasive quick decision what's that called what's that word
0: um ab- abrupt decision i don't know what yeah you mean
1: to- just because you get desperate to win you're like okay well this isn't working desperate? so we gotta start over yeah. Just like a desperate decision okay. to wipe the slate clean and try something different. And I think sometimes those erratic decisions are made yeah, there you go. to try to get back to where you used to be. And there's a good balance of like, you know, we didn't have to take nine years like like Kentucky and Mark Stoops has, right. but it's working. But you also don't want to make a decision so quick that you're not giving something that could work a shot, which some of those teams just scramble and do crazy stuff.
0: So all time, historically, Alabama's got the most wins of any program in college football history. Mm-hmm. Uh, Texas is number four. Oklahoma's number six. Georgia and Tennessee have identical numbers of wins. They're both number nine all time. Um, Georgia's been to 61 bowl games. Tennessee's been to 55, LSU 54, Auburn 49. I looked at every one of these teams has uh, an average of attendance last year, over 83, 84, 85,000 people per game at their stadiums. So we're all talking about the biggest stadiums in the country. And I went back and looked at a valuation of the programs. The the earliest one or the most recent one I could find was from 2020, I believe, which took into account the 2019 fiscal year. So before the pandemic, basically, which kind of to me is like an even kind of slate. The number one most valuable program, according to Forbes in all of college football is Texas, 1.1 billion. Uh, Alabama was number three at 1.009 billion dollars. Um, how about this? Georgia, number six, eight hundred ninety-one billion million dollars. Excuse me. Um, then Oklahoma, number. Seven. It drops
1: off from billion. It drops what? off eight hundred million.
0: No, no, no. It drops off. No one point one billion to eight hundred ninety-one million is only.
1: Oh, I thought you said.
0: Million. I thought
1: you said one hundred and ninety-one million. I was like, geez,
0: <laughs> eight
1: hundred. That makes more sense.
0: Uh, Oklahoma was number seven most valuable program in America. Eight hundred eighty-five million. Um, Number eight was Auburn, $871 million program. Uh, Number nine was LSU, $852 million program. Number 10 was Tennessee, $727 million program. 11 was Florida, $634 million program. And A&M was number 12, $540 million program. So all top 12. But here's the key. Texas A&M at $540 million is worth half as much money as Texas is at number one. That's wild. So that tell like to me that is telling. And Auburn being as valuable as they were um also pretty pretty big time there. Um here's the other one that that I thought was interesting. Uh 10 10 win seasons. How about this? So 10 win seasons I think is a good indicator, right? Okay, yeah. Oh, Alabama 43 10 win seasons. Okay. Oklahoma 41 10 win seasons. Georgia with 27, That's Texas drop with off. 24, yep. Tennessee with 20 10 win seasons. Look how fast we got down into the teens. From wow. 40, from 40. Shit. <laughs> 17 10 win seasons for LSU. Um Florida has 16, Auburn has 14, Texas A&M has 12 10 win seasons in its history. So like that there's another metric of like proof of concept, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: 10 win seasons yep. is pretty pretty damn good.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean it is it it is like a different you don't luck out and win 10 games.
0: Not that many times. No, not that many times. South Carolina, four, four times. It's
1: hard to look out and win 10 games once. I mean, you, you gotta, you have to be something. I mean, I, I did, I did witness Vanderbilt have a nine win season and everyone thought the world was ending, but
0: yeah, there you go. So this brings us to the Arkansas Razorbacks who have 12, 10 win seasons, South Carolina, four, by the way, four, 10 win seasons. And I think three of them were back to back to back under Spurrier in the same chunk of time. Uh, which brings us Here to Arkansas, to South
1: Carolina fans.
0: Well, get, no, because I like South Carolina in this situation. I mm-hmm. just, I, we just got to figure out what the hell's going on.
1: What spot? Yeah,
0: um, I have Arkansas at eight, but so below, but below the line of teams that have national championship DNA. Mm-hmm. But I think they can make the playoff all the time. So can South Carolina, and so can a bunch of these other teams. So here's what here's what we'll do. Let's do some Arkansas State of the Union. We're going to hear from Trey Biddy from hog sports. He's going to give us a whole in-depth analysis of the Arkansas Razorbacks. At the end of that conversation, we're going to talk a little bit about what reasonable expectations should be for a program like Arkansas in the modern playoff era. And that will kickstart us into the second half of this conversation where we piss off South Carolina fans. Uh, No, actually I'm going to be very positive about South Carolina. Yeah. I I think there's so much to like about it. It just hasn't exactly clicked yet. And it's kind of a similar phrase that Arkansas needs Ole Miss, these other programs. So, um, we'll finish up our rankings in the SEC. Uh, but first, an Arkansas Spring State of the Union, and where should the Hogs be during the playoff era? Here's our conversation with Hog Sports expert, Trey Biddy.
2: Welcome to the show. Trey, how are you, sir? What's going on, man? I'm doing good. You know, just uh, spring football, about to wrap up here. We've got the spring. Uh spring game coming up this weekend and uh it's been an interesting 11 practices so far
0: well got a lot of questions about the coaching staff about the depth chart not about the quarterback of course uh, mm-hmm. but about expectations and the roster and all that stuff but just what have you learned most through spring practice very difficult to learn anything in my opinion very specific about teams mm-hmm. in spring practice but what what is your overarching sense and takeaway from spring practice so far for arkansas
2: Well, there's a lot because there's a lot of new faces, obviously. I, I would say overarching like on defense, I really like kind of the mojo of the defense. There's been a lot of changes on that side of the ball with three new coaches brought in Marcus Woodson who was passing game defensive coordinator at Florida State. Deron Woodson, who uh, was at Florida, was McNeese State defensive coordinator before that. And then Travis Williams, of course, who's the new defensive coordinator. So they're going to go to a four-down look, which is different than what Barry Odom had. Very attacking style defense. But I just really, it's almost like the emphasis has been let's over-communicate as much as possible. And uh, I don't know, I, I like the vibe back there. They brought in some really interesting transfers. Antonio Greer's is one at linebacker, uh, who was at South Florida, was about to transfer to UCF before Travis Williams took the Arkansas job. Uh, but he he looks like he's a nice addition. It's a, a young linebacker core overall, but uh, with him being a uh, you know an older player, a senior, I think he brings some maturity to that group. Uh, the secondary, the cornerbacks, I really like where they are. This is a pass defense. Keep in mind that was last in the country, one thirty-one out of one thirty-one in passing yards surrendered last year. And the secondary that looked like at one point it might be a strength for them, but they had so many injuries. Uh, so they've really retooled things. Obviously, with Barry Odom taking the UNLV job and the new coaches that I just mentioned coming in, but they've also got Lorando Johnson coming in uh, from Baylor, who started for them, a former four-star recruit. Jaheim Singletary, who's not on campus yet, who's a five-star recruit from uh, from Georgia in the class of 2022. Uh, They've got Quincy McAdoo back. They've got Dwight McLaughlin back. Uh, they've got, they're added Al Walcott also, uh, from Baylor, who was their second leading tackler last year, probably going to play the nickel. He's been banged up this spring. Uh, but they've really added a lot of interesting pieces on defense. They, they could add some more. They Trajan Johnson, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, Trajan Jeff coat from, uh, from Missouri at defensive end and then uh, on the other side they've got John Morgan the third from Pittsburgh so they've added a lot of interesting pieces still need a couple here and there but I would say that would be my uh, the thing that stands out to me on defense looking at offense obviously Danny Enos a new offensive coordinator comes in uh, and, and installing more of a pro style attack they'll still do you know spread principles hurry up stuff like that but uh, they'll, they'll line up under center some more and you know that could be something that helps KJ Jefferson's draft stock also got some intriguing transfers there wide receiver specifically with three new additions there so uh you know they're not done in the transfer portal they've got 77 on scholarship total so still got some work to do but uh i I like what i've seen from defense i mean i guess you would consider where they were last year you know anything would be better i guess based on how the defense played in in 2022
0: yeah not the only team in the sec west switching to that four down look as it's going to kind of happen across the board uh with the mississippi schools as well uh, just in general, how do you grade? Because the the big question about Sam Pittman, I think, once he kind of established himself as a head coach was, all right, he's got two really high-level coordinators. He's going to have to manage that staff. He kind of kept them around an extra year. They both depart the same year. It seems like people are pretty excited about both hires. Danny Enos has had a very interesting career path all around the Southeast, but... Yeah. Uh, a lot of people very high on Travis Williams, an SEC guy, kind of through and through. What what are your thoughts? And then how do they compare to the fans' thoughts on how Sam Pittman did in his first real test of reconfiguring the staff?
2: Yeah, I think I think fans overall are excited. You know, uh, Travis Williams, a younger guy, brings a lot of energy. Uh, you know, I think he really connects with the players. That the whole defensive staff, you know, and really the guy that we're not talking about. We talk about so much newness. Deke Adams is the first defensive tackles, defensive line coach that's been around for you know, more than one year. I mean, you got to go back to John Scott, Kenny Ingram, um, uh, Jamal Ashley, Derek LeBlanc. Uh, I mean, these are all one-year coaches. Deke Adams is actually in his second year. It's probably one reason they've kind of had a hard time recruiting the interior defensive line uh, over the years. But, um, you know, he's back. And with those guys, it just seems like they all mesh really well to go, together. With Dan Enos, I think some of the things that he can bring to the table are the more technical aspects of playing quarterback that will benefit K.J. Jefferson, you know, not only at Arkansas, but as he looks to further his career at the next level. I, I think back to 2015 when Dan Enos was at Arkansas before Sam Pittman was offensive line coach at the time. And in 2015, Brandon Allen was kind of viewed as maybe a, a potential quarterback who could get drafted. Uh, but that changed a lot when Enos came into town. I mean, he had six six touchdown games, seven touchdown games. His completion uh, percentage was was you know much better. His efficiency rating was higher than any quarterback in program history. So he had a really great year that year. Maybe you might say it was the best quarterback year ever at Arkansas. Uh, and I think a lot of that was just what Danny was brings to the table. And you know he's worked with a guy I think is kind of uh, comparable in in Jalen Hurts when they were when he was at Alabama. You know he worked with Tua Tagovailoa, Mac Jones, Jalen Hurts. Uh, they're kind of similar quarterbacks. Both wear number one. Um, now I'm not saying he's, you know, KJ is going to go on and lead his team to a Super Bowl or something like that. But uh, <laughs> you know, he, he's he's comparable in a lot of ways. And I think that if you ask Alabama fans, Dan Enos really worked well with Jalen Hurts when he was there and and helped him become a better quarterback. So I think those are the aspects where Enos' impact will will make the biggest difference. You know, not uh, we'll see if he's as good a play caller as Brows was. But the technical aspects, I think he'll be better. Yeah, it's
0: like the the, the one thing KJ needs and the strength of Dan Enos are, are kind of yeah. m- mirror each other and kind of paired together nicely there. It, it is a lot of pressure. I mean, I, Sam is so matter-of-fact and so easygoing and such such an easy guy to talk to that like I, I think he understands that because of last year, maybe not realizing all the expectations, a lot of that was injury early on in the season, but just and, – and to KJ as well – but like the the does the entire tenure hinge on these hires? Is there another round of hires if if they s- sit around that six seven win range with these guys? Like it, what what is your thoughts sort of on expectations packaged with these two decisions to hire these guys? I guess it's more than just one, but yeah. just the the rebuild of the staff at this point in Sam's tenure versus last year and expectations. I, I don't know if that question makes any sense, but it, I feel it feels like. I'm assuming Sam's probably just matter-of-fact about, it. like, yeah, these are pretty important hires. we got to get them right,
2: <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, that was a lot. Um, I will say that uh, everything seems fine until it doesn't suddenly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't think anybody's talking about Sam Pittman's future at Arkansas being in jeopardy or anything right now. But, again, it seems like that kind of stuff happens when it happens, like it's just kind of, it's just sudden, like his job's in trouble, you know, Uh, obviously losing to Liberty last year shouldn't have happened. They should not have lost to Liberty. They would have won eight games last year. So that's definitely a mark on, 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 uh, you know, his resume. Obviously KJ Jefferson was probably too hurt to play in that game. Shouldn't have played in the game, but uh, you know, looking ahead, the schedule, the way it shapes up, you've got three games at home. The first game's in Little Rock. You play BYU amongst those first few games. And then it's just like this ridiculously long stretch, like five weeks before you play a game in Fayetteville because you have the Arlington game and you're the home team there. You have this long stretch when you don't have a home game. And then I think it's, I think you play uh, Florida maybe or Mississippi State. I can't remember. And then I think it's a bye week after that. So it's just kind of weird how the schedule shapes up. Uh, I do think that these were obviously very important hires, uh, especially for the time, you know, at Arkansas. The thing that Sam Pittman has proven with his coaching hires over the years, if you're not a great recruiter, you're not going to stick around very long. He has made every single change that I can see largely based on recruiting, and he's got some really strong recruiters right now, uh, you know, on this team. Uh, But, yeah, uh, important hires. I think they needed to change the mojo up on defense, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show. Uh, I think that with Dan Enos, I don't know that they needed to change so much. I mean, they they were pretty solid on offense. Where they needed to change was uh, getting stronger. And the first thing that Sam Pittman did after the Missouri game, last game of the regular season, was make a change at at strength coach. The whole strength staff, the whole new stretch and strength nutrition staff, has been redone. And you know, I think if you go back and look at some of the goal line situations they were in, where they just could not get a push. You've got a 245 pound quarterback. And, you know, all these veteran offensive linemen, it's supposed to be the strength of your team, and you can't get a push time after time after time. I can't count how many times they struggled to convert at the goal line last year. And it really caused – I mean, look at the Texas A&M game. There was a game-changing moment, maybe a season-changing moment when when you talk about momentum where you're trying to – you know, I don't know if KJ should have been diving from 12 yards out. I mean, (laughs) he does some Superman plays. Maybe he thought he could just do it, but uh, it obviously didn't work out and went 97 yards the other way. Uh, but th- that was just kind of a precursor to several issues that they would have. And so I think addressing that is, as, is just as important as these coordinator changes, making sure that you have a guy in here that can win- help you win those, those short yarded situations. It, you mentioned, I, I am going to ask about the offense in just a second,
0: but you mentioned yeah. um, recruiting there. I mean, Arkansas, it, the SEC is just ridiculous. It's absurd. The level of recruiting that takes place yeah. in this conference. So you can be a, a top twenty-five class, on average, you know, across the country nationally, and be eight, nine, ten, whatever it is in the SEC. There, they are the Arkansas's um, average recruiting class over the last five years, ninth in in um, in the SEC. Again, about top thirty in each one of those, which is which is solid. The portal is such a big part of this now. Um, Where is this roster today at, at, in the spring, entering his third season? Like, where is it relative to each of the last couple of seasons overall? Like, one to eighty-five. We know K- we know what KJ brings to the table, but what? Yeah. Where is this roster relative to the last sprint, two springs? Let's
2: say. Yeah. Well, the spring before it's way better. You know, the two springs ago it's way better. Last spring is probably probably comparable to last spring. I just think you know when I was looking at the team last year, uh, in the spring and in fall camp, I'm looking at them going, man. I mean, they are they are good to go at every single position. And, and then I started thinking, like, does every, is everybody feeling about this about the team they cover? Because you're able to go out into the transfer portal. You know, they right. added nine scholarship guys in the transfer portal, and th- each one of those guys played a major role. Like, every one of them filled a spot where otherwise you'd have a freshman or a redshirt freshman, an unproven player. So I was just looking at him last year. I was like, man, this might be the best-looking starting 22 that I've ever seen at Arkansas. Like, that good. Uh, the problem is Ole Miss also probably felt that way. Mississippi State, you know, Florida, everybody else you know, feeling the same way on that. So I think that's probably um, something you have to take into account there. Uh, I really like where they are at wide receiver. They, they've they added a lot of transfers. And, and, guys, just to address this, first of all, you know, we talk about Arkansas being eighth, ninth in the SEC, still being a top 25 school. Arkansas is the smallest state in the SEC. Right there, Mississippi and Arkansas, about 3 million people. Mississippi produces way more division one prospects in Arkansas per capita. I mean, it's, they're a great talent producing state and Arkansas. I think Arkansas might have like four, four stars in the state this year. Mississippi has like 14, you know, just to put it in perspective, same size States. Uh, That's the problem for Arkansas. It's not facilities. It's not money, boosters, fan support, the area. I mean, Arkansas, Northwest Arkansas is annually one of the top five places to live in the country on us news and world report. Uh, The facilities are top-notch. I mean, there's nothing about Arkansas that they're lacking except for, you know, that 250-mile radius of being right there. Atlanta, They don't have an Atlanta in Arkansas, you know. So that's the problem for Arkansas. The transfer portal can alleviate that a lot for the Razorbacks because you've got players that they've been through the recruiting process, they've seen what's out there, they've been in a program, they realize that, you know – maybe it's not all about staying close to home or maybe I just heard yeah. what I needed to hear at this place. And it's not what I thought it was. Uh, and they've been through the hoopla of it all. And we've seen Arkansas really capitalize. I mean, you look at last year bringing Drew Sanders in from Alabama the guys got a great chance of being a first round draft pick and Jaden Hazelwood, you know, probably wasn't the same player after his knee injury, but it was one time the number four ranked prospect in the country could have gone just about anywhere uh, out of Oklahoma. Uh, you know, some of the other guys, they, you know, they've got John Ridgway the year before last from division two school. And they've done that with wide receivers this year. I think Isaac Tesla could end up being the top wide receiver for Arkansas, very prolific division two guy, you know? And so I think that's what you see in the portal guys that were overlooked and maybe matured late and their options from smaller schools and then guys from bigger schools. Hey, Arkansas will take everybody that Georgia, that, that you know, that, can't get past second team at Georgia, you know, is looking for somebody right, right. else. And and they've done a good job at getting guys like that. They brought in Latavius Brini last year. I mentioned Jaheim Singletary, who's a former five-star recruit. Uh, that's an area, I think, where Arkansas can bridge the gap. And uh, they've got some work. To, I mean, they brought in a lot of transfer. There is, what, 12 transfers here, 10 transfers on campus yep. right now, something like that. I can't remember. It's like. 10 recruits and 12 transfers or the other way around, one or the other. But they have a lot of guys enrolled. But they I've got them at 77 scholarship players and you can have 85. There'll probably be a guy or two hopping the portal after spring when the next window opens. Um, but they've got at least eight spots remaining to to continue to uh to brush up this roster. Obviously with KJ Jefferson, you you have
0: sort of a win now mentality and that's very difficult in the SEC where all 14 teams right now feel like they're happy, which I can't, you've covered this league a long time. I can't remember the last time all 14 teams were happy in April. It's it's beyond (laughs) comprehension, honestly. But uh, we, we all sort of know, and I've talked to a lot of people around the league that are, they look at this year and it's an important year and it's a big year, but a lot of people are gearing up for adding Texas and Oklahoma, which is obviously very important for Arkansas for a lot of reasons. Uh, But obviously the playoff. And and so I guess one, two part question, what are reasonable expectations fan wise for 2023 and how much are people, fans, media, administration, coaching staff focused on sort of the long term view of we should be competing for playoff spots, top 12 in -hmm. the country every how many years? Like what are the short term expectations and what are the long term expectations?
2: Well, that's a good question. I mean, the landscape has changed so much. You used to say, you know, you would like to compete for something like that every four years or so, you know, rebuild your roster, you know, get it back, and now you can compete right away. So it's hard to say. I mean, fans are are fickle, and uh, they're not willing to wait around very long. So maybe what the realistic expectation is for Arkansas versus a fan expectation could be quite different. Uh, you know, it wasn't that long ago that Arkansas – Uh, in 2000 and, you know, 2006, uh, you know, went seven and one in the sec, uh, you know, had a great squad with Darren McFadden, Felix Jones, Peyton Hillis, all those guys, uh, you know, a few years later, 2010, you know, 2007 was a good year too. Also, you know, but 2010, they won 10 games, 2011, they won 11 games. And then, you know, the Bobby Petrino incident happened and, you know, everything completely fell apart, which. I guess Arkansas was maybe that's their fault for being you know you know having morale I don't, or for having a, what's the a compass what what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> More, well, you you're, think, you're, when you look it. around the SEC and you know you got Bobby Petrino's been hired, you know Hugh Freeze has been hired, yeah, Chris yeah, Beard yeah. has been hired. Yeah, it's I'm, like I'm, you know, I'm with you. <laughs> so Arkansas is the only one that that cares, you know. Um, but uh, Nate Oates but, is coaching basketball, whatever. Yeah. No, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know I think it's it's. Um, it's it's hard to say like what what the expectation should be, but I you know I think this year like they should win eight games at least you know and there's a give or take if you're on one side of it then it's a disaster if you're on the other side of it then hey it's a great season I mean that nine win season that they had two years ago uh, which I mentioned the roster last year was better looking than that roster the nine win season they had two years ago that was viewed as a breakout season and they won seven last year and it's just like oh you know think you know and that the the truth of it is that nine win season was probably a year ahead of where, you know, they, they probably overachieved. They won a lot of close games then. Last year they just lost a lot of close games, and that's why it's so difficult in the SEC because so many games are decided by a kick or, yeah. uh, you know, a short-yarded situation or a decision to go for it on fourth down that doesn't work out or that does work out. I mean, it's just the mar- the margin for error is so razor thin. That's why it's so important to have great coaches. why these guys are paid so much money um, because a lot of times when you look at these rosters, they're they're – quite comparable and Arkansas is they've got a solid roster I mean you've got a returning starter third year returning starter in KJ Jefferson a known commodity there they have to replace a lot on the offensive line but they've got they have recruited really well on the offensive line as you would expect from a Sam Pittman coach team they've recruited really well he and coach uh, uh, Cody Kennedy on the offensive line and um, you know some one of these wide receivers is going to burst out and be a go-to guy you know I don't know which one yet maybe Tesla Maybe Andrew Armstrong, maybe Tyron Broden, but one of these guys is going to be a go-to guy. One of them is going to be a deep threat. One of them is going to be, you know, um, uh, a hands guy. You know, Uh, there's there. It's going to emerge some kind of way like that. You've got a 1,400 yard rusher back, and I think they've got better energy on defense overall. So I think they'll. I think they have a chance to be better than last year. But whether the record shows that or not, it's, it's just hard to tell in this conference. Is it fair to go like once every eight years? Because Now
0: that's kind of like, so. two, that's like two rebuilding cycles for all teams that are not not like, you know, mm-hmm. Alabama, Ohio State, whatever. Like, is it fair to say of of those programs like that have the resources and the money that Arkansas has, the fan support that they have? You've yeah. already alluded to sort of the, the limitations on, on the recruiting base, but like it's still you still can get into Texas. It, if you go 10 wins every eighth year and you make the playoff, is that I, I mean, they I would can, say that that's pretty solid.
2: They can make up for that in the transfer portal right. with the recruiting issue. And I think that's a big part of this. And I think that's maybe why you you change what your expectations are, that maybe you can have – I mean, like I said, you know, and if, if the college football playoff was 12 teams back in 2010 yep. and 2011, Arkansas would have gone back-to-back years yep. to the college football playoff. You know, if it was back in, um, you know, 2006, they would have gone. So – but if you judge – the problem, you know, is Arkansas made some bad hires. They made some bad decisions from 2011, you know, up until when Sam Pittman was hired. You know, the Chad Morris hire was an absolute disaster. And, you know, that's what I always tell people, like, when they're saying, hey, you know, it could be worse. Well, that's not the measuring stick for Arkansas. The 2018, 2019 is not the measuring stick for Arkansas football. You know, I think it's back more towards, you know, Houston Nut era, Bobby Petrino era, that time, you know, where you pop up and you, you, you know – bobby uh Houston not went to the SEC championship game what two times i think and yeah. th- you know another time probably should have gone but fell short um you know petrino didn't ever make it but had again 10 win season 11 win seasons they finished 5 in the country you know in 2011 so uh every 8 years i don't know i i might maybe, say maybe, you could, maybe less than that yeah maybe you could say less than that for an yeah. sec program i mean you don't necessarily have to win the sec and you know beat alabama every year uh, but Arkansas football is the the 2010s were the worst era of Arkansas football in history. Like since 2011, like the eight year stretch, stretch, you can't find a worse eight year stretch. You can't find a worse four year stretch, you know, than than in that in that realm there. And that's just there's no excuse for Arkansas football to be that. I mean, it's a it's a very proud program. You look back at most. Uh, All-time top twenty-five list. You'll see Arkansas somewhere around twentieth. You know, as the twentieth best best program in the country. And uh, I think a lot of people, especially probably young people, don't realize that because you know, twenty twelve through twenty nineteen was just so awful.
0: So, all right, I'm going to ask you very random non-football question here. Okay, and and you might be the right guy to talk to. You might not be. I don't know. Okay, but but wife and I were taking our two little girls. uh, They're they're going to be at the time uh, six and five love the outdoors love hiking like swimming um we, we're going to the lakes here we got to pick a lake of all the lakes from basically lake of the ozarks down to outside of uh bentonville what, what mm. is w- which of the lakes? Is it table rock lake like which of the lakes should, be, should i be taking the family to to do some hiking yeah. some hiking like little cabin on the water do some fishing do some canoeing <laughs> like where i'm the worst where we person to ask
2: for this i don't know beaver lake beaver lake okay (laughs) yeah i would say maybe beaver lake i'm not like my outdoor time um you know if i can spend it outdoors it's going to be on the golf course (laughs) so i might be the worst person to ask no no so so here's you know there was a time years ago my wife's not much of an outdoors person so uh you know that pretty much makes me not much of a an outdoors person unless i'm (laughs) playing golf well
0: so here's the thing i i want to take them on a hike but mm-hmm. I, then I want to go like golfing. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. we 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 don't want to do like Lake of the Ozarks because it feels just way too busy and like too much I would stuff look at going a Devil's
2: on. Devils Den maybe. Devils um, Den. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm not sure what golf courses are around Devils. All right. Den. Okay. Well, it's listen. Here's the thing. Area.
0: Arkansas fans who are listening, uh, and Missouri fans who might be listening. Uh, anything within the area, you give us some advice here on which lake we need to go to. I, right now, that's I'm kind of yeah. Ask, ask
2: the fans. <laughs> let us
0: know. Uh, we need kind of a nice combo of like, all right, a couple nice meals, maybe a golf course, some good outdoor stuff, some some canoeing. Like, we need kind of a combination of everything uh, to try to keep all all three of my women happy, uh, Trey. So that that's how <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's tough. Yeah, exactly. That's how it goes. Uh, thank you so much for your time, man. We really appreciate you, uh, and we'll talk to you guys. Uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks, man. Okay. Thanks, Brian. All right, that was Trey Biddy, of course, of hogsports.com, 24-7 sports covering Arkansas. He says basically as good a roster as they've seen in Arkansas in the last 10 years or so. And and again, that led to a decrease in wins by two last year, but a lot of that was injuries. The quarterback, now they got two new coordinators. Huge offseason for Sam Pittman, Aaron. So before we get back into our rankings, where's Arkansas, where's Oklahoma And all of this, uh, and we'll reset our rankings. I just am curious, in general, how concerned are we now that they've had to hire two new coordinators and revamp the staff, you still got KJ Jefferson. Are, are we, where, where are we? Where's the, how's the relate? What's the relationship status between you and Sam?
1: Oh, I mean, I'm pretty loyal. We all, we all know. Um, I, you know, I think that one of the, we, we talked about that as such a plus when that staff was able to stay together, um, for like the past, you know, since, I mean, really a lot of them since Sam Pittman became head coach and, um, as much as that is a benefit when you can kind of keep that continuity season to season. I also think that because of the kind of coach he is and his emphasis on people, I think he can also uh, put together a culture quickly, not just maintain one. So, uh, you know, I I mean, it's always a little bit of a speed bump when you have somebody new in place, but it can also kind of re-energize you. I don't think that's going to, I don't think it'll put him back too much.
0: I I think, as I said in the interview, I think it's a I don't know how Dan Eno says the offensive coordinator works out long-term, but I think it's a right. really good fit for KJ Jefferson right now. Right. So we'll see. Uh, but but again, all, and, and and Ole Miss and Neil McCready talked about this last week on the show, everyone's sort of eyeing 2024. Texas and Oklahoma are going to join. We're going to have new schedules. We're going to have a 12-team playoff. It's just going to be so different that we're going to have different, we have new levels of expectation. And I think the two levels in the SEC are national championship expectations and college football playoff expectations. I think those right. are two very different things. And so just real quickly to reset our rankings, I have Alabama at one, Georgia, two, LSU, three, Florida, four, Tennessee, five, Auburn, six, Texas A&M, seven. And again, Tennessee, unlimited resources and a far better recruiting base than anyone acknowledges. The six hour radius around Knoxville gets you down to almost Jackson, Mississippi, Columbus, Ohio almost all of the entire state of Tennessee, all of Kentucky, most of Alabama, most of Georgia, most of South Carolina, most of North Carolina, and to almost to Richmond, Virginia. It, it is just a far better recruiting base than anyone realizes. So I, th- I think Tennessee, as we've seen, didn't take Josh Heupel long to sort of realize their potential again um, in Knoxville, but I don't think they're better than Oklahoma. So where, where would you, on that list, yeah. where would you put Oklahoma?
1: After LSU. So I had Bama, Georgia, Florida, LSU, I probably put Oklahoma in there. Then I had Tennessee. Then I rethought this when we talked through it, but I did have AM and then Auburn, although one has more of a history to be able to prove it than the other. So I think that's where I am on the top. That would put us through what? That would put us through nine the spots. top nine. Yep. Nine
0: yeah. te- nine teams in the future SEC have national championship DNA. And if you think about what's going on around the country. How I didn't many, put
1: Texas in, but yeah, and
0: and I, and I would have. So I actually agree with you on Oklahoma. I would have Texas at three on my list, and I'd have Oklahoma behind LSU and Florida. Yeah, but, me a, too. but ahead of Tennessee and Auburn and A and M. Right. Yeah. So, but but again, if there's nine teams that have national championship DNA in the SEC, you look around, and there may not be nine others in the entire country. Right. Like it's Ohio State, Michigan, Notre Dame,
1: mm-hmm. Penn
0: State. Yeah, Uh probably Clemson, Florida State.
1: You already said Ohio State. Okay. Um uh, Florida-
0: Yeah, Ohio okay. State. The, the 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 three Big 10 teams, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Notre Dame. Yep. Florida State, Clemson, Miami, USC. Yep. And
1: <laughs> Are We leaving else? somebody out?
0: Maybe Oregon. I was going
1: to say the Oregon was a question mark in my mind. That's the only other one that was coming to mind. I, I know we're going to piss somebody off because I know we're forgetting something, but
0: no, maybe Nebraska, maybe UCLA. I, th- that's it. Like I don't, North Carolina is not competing for national titles in football. Virginia tech's not Wisconsin is not. Iowa's not. And this is the tier where Arkansas and South Carolina, I think are better programs than all those names we just mentioned that have not competed. Mm-hmm but are still not able to win national championships. They have not shown us that skill or that ability since integration. Yeah. We've All- just had
1: like one off very impressive teams. Like, I mean, can- like Kansas state has had some great years, obviously Cincinnati, right. but it's nothing that we, as of right now, the evidence right. we have that we think is going to be super repeat repeatable.
0: Washington would be in that conversation. They want to split national title early in the nineties. But again, their, their recruiting geography is a little bit more challenging than let's say South Carolina. Did you say so Miami. I, you just so say Miami. Let, let's get to Arkansas and South Carolina then. Cause like okay. what, what's the better job? Um, Arkansas has far more history of success. They have equal levels of passionate fan base, equal levels of like resources for their athletic departments and their their programs. The recruiting base for South Carolina is far better, as Trey Biddy just explained. Um, just per capita, the state of Arkansas just doesn't produce a lot of talent um relative to South Carolina or even the surrounding areas, but somehow, some ways, South Carolina has yet to sort of figure it out. Arkansas at least has had that in the past, right? I I think I would go Arkansas. I guess it would be eight. South Carolina nine,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I. The only question for South Carolina is sort of just like why? Why hasn't it? Why hasn't it clicked?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They have no. every piece of the puzzle you need to be at the highest levels in the SEC.
1: That this is this is a really hard one because I actually feel like these are, I mean, these would both of these schools would be really, really great jobs and they're not bad places to be. Um, in the large scheme of some of the actual locations of SEC schools. Um, oh, two and, great,
0: two great places. Yeah. I'm down. With yeah. That, I mean, though.
1: exciting like game day atmosphere at South Carolina. I mean, there's nothing more exciting than like what a game, like a Saturday in Columbia. I mean, it's insane. If you haven't been to a game, it's, it's crazy. Um, I feel like for some reason, I feel like if South Carolina can figure it out, it's going to happen faster. But I do think that if Arkansas could get there, they could probably maintain it. For me, it just feels like there are so many things right at South Carolina's fingertips that I don't know what the missing piece is, but I'll put put them ahead of Arkansas for this particular conversation. Um, Just because I think when it happens, it's going to happen quick. Hopefully it does. And then just be like the ability to maintain it, but I don't know what that missing piece is.
0: Well, Spurrier kind of showed us the upside, right? With with the with the three straight, the three straight mm-hmm. winning uh, eleven win seasons, Con- the Connor Shaw years, right? Who, who in my mind, South Car- here you go, South Carolina fans. I think Connor Shaw is the most underrated SEC quarterback in the history of the conference. I, I think he is one of my favorite players of all time in the history of the league. Not just because I'm also follicly challenged, but because i just think he's a damn winner man like dude didn't he didn't, never threw interceptions he won a bunch of games took took south carolina to the sec championship game i just think he's a he's he's a winner man dude's a gamer and but other than that chunk of time you've just never seen it and i know they've only been in the league since 92 i'm curious if going away from divisions helps arkansas and south carolina i don't know if it yeah. will i don't i can't tell if it will or not because you're adding Texas and Oklahoma to the schedule. So that's pretty brutal.
1: Yeah. But when you're on that wet, when you go to that west side of the conference in recent years, it's pretty brutal.
0: So I've talked to a lot of people around South Carolina and I just go, first of all, one big glaring difference, Clemson. Clemson is a giant glaring difference in the state. Mm-hmm. Yes. You, you have Georgia, you have Georgia and Clemson within whatever miles of drive.
1: From, we didn't from- name them in our, that list we just yeah, rattled I, off. No, I big. did. Oh, you did. did. Okay.
0: I, but I, but there's none of that in Arkansas. There's no other big name program in the state. Like, mm-hmm. y- you got to go over to Oklahoma. You got to go down to Texas to get to anybody. You're talking hundreds of miles. Right. Whereas Georgia, South Carolina, Clemson are all kind of, they're all pretty close. Right. So I think that's a, that works against South Carolina. But the thing that I keep hearing from folks who've covered the program for a very long time is that there is just some, like something's missing at the top, like mm-hmm. whether, whether it's, you know, just the alignment we were talking about earlier with Bama and 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 Clemson. Maybe they just don't have the same like level of commitment deep down in their bones or something. Like that's not the case for the casual, the average fan. I just don't. That's no one has an explanation for why South Carolina has not been able to capitalize on eighty five thousand fans, unlimited resources, and great recruiting territory.
1: I just don't know if it's the. To- I don't know if it's on the top of my mind because you're just talking about Connor Shaw, but with with those teams, I and mean, that would have been the same. Mark Slattimore is at the same time, right? I I believe so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think like 2011
1: to 12,
0: 13. And that was prior to sort of Clemson's like, like that, what they did is they dominated in the state and they Mm -hmm. got Alshon Jeffrey and Stefan Gilmore and Marcus Latimore and they dominated. And frankly, I think, I think Shane Beamer was a part of those, those recruiting classes, Mm
1: -hmm. Um,
0: but not like Clemson hadn't become Clemson yet. Right. So it was easier to win those battles. Um,
1: It does feel like year to year, like maybe it's maybe, and this is not discrediting because I'm not, maybe I'm flawed in saying this, but maybe there's some on the field leadership factors that South Carolina has kind of ebbed and flowed in terms of having those on the field, like dynamic upperclassmen leadership in and out. I'm not saying that it's not there, but when we think about these, like, you can call them franchise guys or whatever you want to call them. I do feel like there've been some, it, I did not spend time inside the program, but maybe I'm just presenting it really as a question and not necessarily as a diss. Right. but, um, well, but who's responsible,
0: who's responsible for getting those guys. That's Nick Saban's job. That's the head coach's job. And if you put Nick Saban at South Carolina and at Arkansas, my question is, can they win sec championships? Like mm-hmm. I'm talking, I'm talking routinely every year, beat yeah. Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Florida, Auburn, Tennessee, AM. Routinely beat all of those teams, win SEC championships, and win national championships, which is now going to be three or four games in a playoff against teams like Ohio State, Clemson, and USC. And
1: that just changes the conversation again because to be able to do it, win four more games, is, God, the depth that it takes, which in depth takes time. It's, it's interesting. I mean, there's a reason we're stuck on South Carolina and Arkansas and having this long of a conversation about it is because they really do feel, they really do feel on the cusp and I can't rule it out that they would be able to do that if like they had the Nick Saban situation going on. But I mean, there's a reason we're dwelling right here.
0: I know (laughs) that these are the two, these are the two that you can't figure out Um, because I think they're clearly better than the rest of the league. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you can put him ahead of anyone who's actually won a national championship since integration, which is everybody but AM above you. Yeah. And so I, I am I I don't think he can. I don't think he can. I think if you put Nick Saban at AM, he would win, he could win a national title. I don't think he wins a national championship at Arkansas or South Carolina. But we just heard Trey Biddy say this with Sam Pittman as the coach, not Nick Saban, Sam Pittman. What's a reasonable expectation for Arkansas? Probably get to the playoff every six years or so. I think that's fair. We heard Ole Miss say that. Uh, Neil McCready say that last week. I think Ole Miss getting to the playoff with Lane Kiffin every six to eight years. Once once every six to eight years is about right. That's a 10-win season every six to eight years. I think that's totally fair for South Carolina. Totally fair and doable for Arkansas. And I think Sam Pittman and Shane Beamer could do that. I think Lane Kiffin can do that. Mm -hmm. I think Mark Stoops can do that at Kentucky. The question yeah, is, the, 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 but no one's picking any of those teams to win the SEC or win three playoff games.
1: No, that would be, that would be hard to do at this point. And for some reason, even though on paper, Arkansas is more of a his like a tradition or a history of being able to do it. Um, for some reason, I do feel like the ceiling's higher on South Carolina.
0: I kind of, um, I kind of am with it's you. It's just
1: like that. a gut. It's not, I don't, can't really tell yeah. it. Like, give you like a written reason why, but I just feel like the ceiling's higher. And honestly, I I do think they have potential. If they're, if we're talking about them teetering on that line, I think I could put South Carolina above it at some point, but I I don't think
0: zero SEC championships. Zero. I just,
1: I'm just, I'm (laughs) just speaking. I'm speaking from a gut feeling. I just feel like they have, they have what it takes or, or could have what it takes, but it's hard. I mean, there's, all you it see? takes
0: is if you find your Nick Saban, and maybe Shane Beamer is their version of Nick Saban. Who knows? That would be an outlandish thing to think, but maybe it's possible. If if all of a sudden Dabo retires and Clemson can't hire a coach and they keep pissing down their leg for a decade, that is where South Carolina, with the right coach, all of a sudden dominates their recruiting base, and their recruiting base is way better than Arkansas's. That that's the difference, yeah, in my mind. Whereas Arkansas is the only dog in, or hog in town, I should say. Uh, South <laughs> so Carolina. <you> <laughs> I've got two kids. It's fine. Um, South Carolina is like, they're competing, like, as we've said, they're competing with a lot more big brands, but all it takes is like one or two bad hires by Clemson. Yeah.
1: Florida- just pull in Auburn for a minute,
0: right? Florida go plan- have a
1: fire over there right, and then right. like th- have to worry about that. And South Carolina could sneak in.
0: Well, maybe Florida still playing with its pud for 10 years. And all of a sudden South Carolina is the most dominant program in that region or that, that chunk of the, I mean, now Georgia's Georgia right now, but.
1: Mm-hmm. whatever
0: um, all right so here's the next question who's next
1: yeah there's like a grittiness to them that I think are like that yeah. Arkansas doesn't really have too.
0: so so who's next Ole Miss Kentucky Mississippi State Missouri I, I think we both agree Vanderbilt sadly is 14th
1: oh uh, yeah and I think on this list they're 16th because aren't we doing Oklahoma <laughs> yes. and Texas okay yeah yes. so Agreed. they're 16th Agreed. I just pushed them down two more spots
0: sorry um <laughs> against teams that aren't even in the league you're ranked behind them
1: um, I I went Ole Miss next.
0: I've got Ole Miss next as well. Okay, right. why? Um, again, national championship pre integration, so I don't really count it. But they've shown that upside. They've won some. They've had some ten win seasons. Oxford is an extraordinary place to be and live. It's just, it's just awesome. Um, Lane Kemp- not I- that
1: not that much. Cra- like they also don't have that crazy. Ah, no. Yeah. Not really, not, though. Not gotten... super
0: nuts, but like uh, they had their Hugh Freeze moment in the sun. Well, yeah,
1: that's true. But I mean, in terms of so many cooks in the kitchen, like Ole Miss University of Mississippi administration is not going to continue to it's not going to step on the toes of athletics through and through. They want to win. That's true. And they have they've had to kind of get used to having some off years and they figure out how to have fun anyway. But I don't think they're going to get in each other's way.
0: I I think there's, a I agree with you exactly. And I think there's enough history with like Archie Manning, Eli Mm -hmm. Manning, Mm -hmm. um, David Cutcliffe winning there. Mm -hmm. uh, And then you go Lane Kiffin in like both Hugh Freeze for whatever you think about Hugh Freeze, Hugh Freeze and Lane Kiffin, had there been a 12 team playoff in place, both Hugh Freeze and Lane Kiffin would have made the playoff. So they clearly have playoff potential. They clearly have 10 win playoff potential. And that, to me, makes them better than Kentucky, which over a long, 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 long period of time has rarely been competitive against Florida and Tennessee and Georgia in their division. And Kentucky is just now kind of catching up with all the things you need to have to be successful. It's got to be more than just Mark Stoops for me to buy into Kentucky. And there's this whole, Kentucky's maybe not willing to invest in NIL yet, so I'm going to put that behind illness as well. But I do think Kentucky's grown a lot in this process over the last 10 years. But I would have, I clearly, I would have almost clearly next. Then I would have Kentucky. You, I, would, I, would, I would have Kentucky I would
1: Mississippi State next.
0: That's so, I understand that too. I get that too. Starkville's just awful. <laughs> I love you, Starkville.
1: <laughs> oh my God. The one and only time I ever drink Boone's Farm, Starkville, Mississippi. It's just Walmart it, like, wine, ain't it?
0: It's you're, just you're, not. You're like, you look, you look to your left and there's Alabama, you look to your right and there's Ole Miss and you're kind of like, well, those are pretty cool places and they have more money. They have more fans. Now, Mississippi State's got this really cool, like blue collar culture, which I think <laughs> is really fun, but it's just a tough place to win, man. It is. It, it,
1: it is. It's just, there's something about sometimes the bad factors, like I, I take them into account as a, as a good thing because there's truly nothing else to do. So <laughs> get back to the field. What else are you going to do? I, you know, I, like there's, I guess. there's some kind of push pull of like, there's nothing like a lot of kids. That, this is true of a lot of places. I mean, it's true of Memphis with basketball and all sorts of stuff. Like kids growing up there, like that's kind of what they have, especially from certain socioeconomic classes. So I do think that the lack of other things to do can sometimes when we're this low in the, in the rankings go in your favor. Um, I mean, I've talked a lot about how I love what Mark suits has done and I think he's doing it the right way. I did teeter with those two back and forth, but I put Mississippi state for Kentucky.
0: I think Kentucky because it's got kind of, it's its its own brand and its own recruiting territory really of any school in the sec. Like it's the only one who can go into Ohio and say, come play in the sec. And like yep. not t- Tennessee does that to some degree, but it's the only one, like Mississippi state is so deep behind, like LSU recruits Mississippi state's territory. So does Alabama. Oh, yeah. So does Auburn. So does Ole Miss. So does Florida yeah, it's state. True. And it's
1: not a hard sell. If you're getting an LSU offer and your right. choice are LSU, Mississippi state. No, I, it's Starkville.
0: Kentucky had hard sellouts, 55,000, 56,000 plus. Yeah. They've invested true. like crazy. Um, I I see the argument for Mississippi State. I think they're a better football program long term, but I think right now I think Kentucky's the better job, and not just they're neck scoops, and neck, but they're yeah. basically even. Um, and that's why they play and crossover every year. Um, the
1: next two are easy.
0: Missouri to me was 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 easy. The next one, but I will say this: I think Missouri has playoff DNA as well because they had two SEC East Division titles, one more than South Carolina. Uh, By the way, um, in far fewer years in the conference, so that they were one win away had they beaten Auburn from getting to the national championship game.
1: I'm sure South Carolina is really going to love you for us, like kind of gloating on them, and then you're like, by the way, Missouri is a little bit
0: kind of better. I'm just no, they're not. I've got South Carolina ranked clearly ahead of Missouri, Um, but but sorry everyone,
1: he just has to. It's kind of his thing.
0: (laughs) Missouri has in 2007 they were one win away from the national championship game with 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 uh, Chase Daniel. They lost to Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game. They played in two SEC championship games. So just in the last 20 years, they've had three trips to the playoffs. So they're clearly a playoff caliber team when things are right. Same thing for Kentucky, Mississippi State. Same thing for Ole Miss, South Carolina, and Arkansas. When they're good, they can make the playoff. I don't think any of those teams can go 12-0 in the new SEC routinely and then win three more games plus an SEC championship game and win a national title, even if they have Nick Saban as their coach.
1: The odds to get to the playoffs, obviously, there a lot more teams will get to enjoy that. But making it through it, it's a whole different beast.
0: We, we are tricking ourselves. This is, this is celebrating Final Four and Sweet Sixteen banners in college basketball is what this is. Like if, if 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 Kentucky and Ole Miss and Missouri and South Carolina and Arkansas get to the playoff, they will put a banner in their stadium that says College Football Playoff twenty twenty eight, and they should, and they absolutely should. But you don't. The, the national championships are not going to, I don't think that it's, it's going to be even harder now to win. It's national just a lot
1: more foot. Like that is yes. an insane amount of additional football to play. I mean, <laughs> it's, it, it would be like to me. So how many get you play? How many rounds?
0: Ra- well, 16 is the championship game right now. So you're adding basically one more round, but for only those two teams, the The key is like, I don't know. You're, you're it's like an sec championship game plus three or four playoff games.
1: That is so much more football. It's insane. I mean, that's like, that is like March madness taking being three times the amount of rounds that it already is. I mean, the wear and tear of the sport, I'm not discrediting basketball I mean, lots of wear and tear there too, but that is a lot more football to play and it takes a lot more depth. There will be more injuries later year into the season. I mean, it's, it it adds factors that we haven't even talked about, like how much more recruiting you're going to have to do to continue your run in that postseason play because of the depth your roster needs to get there.
0: We've said this a million times. The 12 team playoff is awesome because it creates drama in the regular season for games like Mississippi State, Kentucky could become a very important game. Ole Miss, Arkansas is going to be could be a playoff game in the future, right? Like Tennessee, Kentucky could be a playoff game in the future. These games have so much gravity now in the regular season, but we are tricking ourselves into thinking that the championship race is more wide open. It is not. It, in mm-hmm. fact, I think it it's narrows even, itself. it's even, yes, because it's even harder to win the national championship. It's far easier to get into the playoff, much harder to win the title. Totally. So we're we're going to give like, Hey, great season team X, Y, and Z on a playoff spot. And you know what? I think that team can pull some upsets, maybe win a game or two in the playoff. I do not think they can win four and win a national title. That's no,
1: I day. mean it's, and then, and then that will continue. and, the conversation can ex- expand from there for yep. a, that's for a different day, but then you get right. into the depth, you get into how much you're doing in IL because you now have to have more people. You get into Portal. size, you get into resources needed for training, uh, like money spent on posts. I mean, it, it's, it's a whole nother beast, but we'll yep. address that when we get there.
0: There you have it. Yes. So th- there are rankings I have, here's my list in order with Texas and Oklahoma for those that care. Number one, Bama, Georgia, two, Texas, three, LSU, four, Florida, five, Oklahoma, six, Tennessee, seven, Auburn, eight, A&M, nine. There's my national championship DNA line. Arkansas, 10, South Carolina, 11, old Mississippi, 12, Kentucky, 13, Mississippi State, 14, Missouri, 15, Vanderbilt, 16. That is my order. Aaron. what is your final order?
1: Um, We added Texas and Oklahoma late, so hopefully I don't screw this up. Alabama, Georgia, Florida, LSU. Texas is that where I put Texas? Maybe <laughs> T- Texas, uh, Tennessee, Texas A and M. You had
0: Oklahoma. above all those. Some of those.
1: Oh, that's right. I put them above Tennessee, didn't I? Yep. Sorry, I'm going from memory now. Oklahoma, Tennessee,
0: A and M. You A
1: and and M, Auburn. A&M, then Auburn. I went South Carolina, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Kentucky, Missouri, Vanderbilt.
0: Yep. I think we got it right, uh, and there you have it. Rate, review, subscribe. Check out the YouTube page as well. Of course, we do appreciate you there. Um, you can always uh, catch our beautiful smiling faces there. And if you mm. want to comment about how stupid we are, or how smart we are, or how amazing we are, or how terrible we are, please do so at Braden Gall on Twitter. Aaron, where can people get to you?
1: Please know I'm relatively unaffected, but Aaron underscore Dugan Relative. on Instagram, <laughs> relatively, and the Aaron Dugan on Twitter.
0: I am very affected. My day to day happiness is tied directly to other people's, stranger, strangers' opinions about my college football takes. That That's is,
1: partially true and partially not.
0: It's not true at all. But we love you for listening. For Aaron <laughs> Dugan, my name is Braden Gall. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks to Trey Biddy for giving us a lot of his time as well. We will be back. We will be back next you week. Got it. Easy for me to say. Have a great weekend, everybody.
1: Peace.